Welcome to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and I'm proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Every episode of this podcast will bring in experts and authors to help writers of all genres compose more authentic cops, crimes, and criminals in their stories. For this episode, acclaimed international bestseller Brad Taylor steps into the interrogation room to try getting his story straight. Brad is a 21-year veteran of the U.S. Army Infantry and Special Forces, which included eight years with the 1st Special Forces Operational Detachment Delta, popularly known as Delta Force. He retired in 2010 after serving more than two decades and participating in Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom, as well as classified operations all around the globe. His final military post was as an assistant professor of military science at the Citadel, and he retired as a lieutenant colonel. He's since written 15 New York Times bestsellers, and when he's not writing, he still serves as a security consultant on asymmetrical warfare and asymmetric threats for various agencies. Brad's latest book in his Pike Logan series is entitled End of Days and launches on January 11th. Brad, welcome back to Raiders on the Beat, man. I'm so grateful for you coming back year after year to talk about your, your books, and it's such an honor to have you here and share your expertise with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, for readers who don't have an advanced copy of End of Days, what do you want them to know about this book and this latest Pike Logan adventure? Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have an ulterior motive. There's no, you know, political spin or I'm not trying to tell anybody anything. I, I, I just try to write the best book I can and I hope the, re the reader enjoys the thriller. I, that's all it is. Now, this is the, the 16th installment in, in the Pike Logan series and... Um, on the one hand, I feel like I'm kind of at each of each end of this spectrum as a writer. Um, for somebody who's trying to keep a series ongoing and, and fresh, you've got this really fantastic character and this really fantastic team built around them that are kind of going to be evergreen. And there's always new yeah. world threats and, and always something else that you can pull out of the headlines. But barring that, how... Do you go about keeping the characters themselves and their relationships, their humanity, uh, fresh and interesting to readers who've been with you from book one? Uh, that's actually the hardest thing about writing a series. I, I mean, I never thought I'd have a single book published, uh, much less 16. <laughs> and I, I wish I'd, I had, you know, like some writers like, I'm going to do this in this book. And then in book 12, I'll pull this back out. And, and in book eight, I'll do this. And I, I put... 100% in each book, uh, but each book has to stand alone. Mm -hmm. And in each book, because I have readers, it, the, the characters have to grow. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you you go to, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I said this earlier, but if you, you, know, you go to high school, you grow, you go to college, you grow, you have kids, you grow, you get married, you grow, you go to war, you grow. Uh, and so the human condition is always changing and you have to show that in the book uh in a sense that but each book has to be a standalone so the new reader can understand what's going on but the old reader also understands how the characters are growing and to balance those two without boring the old reader or bludgeoning the new reader is uh, a hard thing to do you mentioned at the uh, the end of end of days uh about how your writing process was so drastically changing your research process was so drastically trained, uh, changed by the, uh, the pandemic and a lot of the restrictions on, on especially travel right now. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how that impacted your writing and maybe what you learned, if anything, about your writing and your own process. Uh, 
Yeah, actually, the, the one of the hardest things was, in fact, that, I mean, I wrote uh, American Trader, my last book. I got to do the book research and we did travel around the world. And then the pandemic hit while I was writing it. And so I had a choice to make. I was like, you know, I was in Shinlin Market, Night Market, and there were a thousand people there. I was in Sydney Harbor at the Opera House, and there were a thousand people there. Now there's nobody anywhere. Do mm -hmm. I write about that or do I, you know, ignore it? And so I decided to ignore it and put the entire book when I did the research as opposed to when it was going to get released. And, um, you know, last line of that book, there's a hint of COVID in it. Mm -hmm. And then I started writing the next book and COVID really just didn't go away. And so then I had to make a choice. I was like, do I, do I write about COVID or do I just ignore this? But I, I couldn't ignore it because I write current events and mm -hmm. the problem with current events is they're current. Yeah. And I had, uh, um, I couldn't do any book research. It was really hard to write the book because I couldn't get boots on the ground. Uh, luckily, only about 10% of my research ever ends up in a book anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, iPhone was great. It kept all my pictures. <laughs> and so I was going back saying, where have I been that, you know, I, I didn't use in a book before. I want to know the granular truth, what's on the ground. I don't want to write something without knowing what's on the ground. And uh, it was really hard to do that. Uh, just on the writing component, I don't even have a writing room. I mean, mm -hmm. I told you I'm sitting here zooming on a beer pong table my daughter set up. I, I don't have a, a, a writing desk. I, I used to go out and write at uh, the beach or at a park or at a library or wherever. And then I all got locked down and I was stuck in my house. And it was really hard to write the book. And I had to make a choice. Do I even want to deal with the pandemic? Because you know, the book comes out a year after you've written it. And I was, and I had to make a guess, does the, uh, um, is, are they going to do, you know, is COVID going to last? Mm -hmm. Or when this book comes out, will it be something like, uh, um, why is he writing about COVID? That's all gone. And I, mm -hmm. so I looked at it and I was like, you know, I think this thing's going to last a little longer, to be honest with you. <laughs> so I, that's what I wrote about. And I put that in the book itself. One of the things that I've run into in my own writing, um, especially on in my, my detective series, I, I've only been retired a few years, and I still have to reach back periodically to guys that are still downrange and talk to them about, you know, modern investigation techniques, modern tools, modern uh, crimes. Uh, and I come away sometimes, even though it's only been a few years, like, feeling like I'm older than I am. <laughs> and I, I wonder, right. since you've been retired so long, how, how much are you having to reach back to uh, to guys you're still in contact with downrange or that are, are a little bit more, um, I hate to use the word relevant, but a little more current on, on, uh, on what's actually going on out there? Yeah, actually, I mean, I, I obviously have a ton of friends that are still active and uh, uh, I talk to them all the time. And to be honest with you, I almost, I bifurcated a little bit with, uh, I don't want to know what's going on because mm -hmm. then I can't talk about what's going on. So I'd rather just figure out what's going on on my own. Mm -hmm. So then it's not, you didn't give me any classified information and you didn't, I, I didn't hear about this from you or whatever. Uh, but it, on the geopolitical sphere of the grand scheme of stuff, uh, I definitely want to keep in touch. Um, but on the tactical side of stuff of, I mean, I know a lot of stuff that's going around in the world right now that I would never put in a book. And I, I don't 
I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to use that stuff. Now, fiction, I think, has a grossly underrated ability to inform public opinion or to shape public opinion about really complex ideas um, and to kind of, uh, not subversively, but to kind of coincidentally do this through entertainment. And I think some, you know, the, the really significant examples of that, you know, like with uh, how, you know, Kramer versus Kramer seems to have kind of influenced, you know, father-child relationships when it came out and how Harry Potter's had such a incredible influence on folks who've maybe are self-defined outcasts or feel like they don't quite belong. I wonder what impact you would like Pike Logan and his cadre to have on public opinion or in, in kind of the public awareness of, um, uh, of asymmetric threats or of our global presence. I, I mean, uh, if you're comparing Pike Logan to Harry Potter, I'm not sure how that would compare. <laughs> Must have a Voldemort in every book, but uh, the uh, I, I don't uh, really. I mean, things strike me. Uh, I see something as a threat vector, and I think that'd be you know I'd like to write about that. Sometimes it's a blog, sometimes it's a book. Uh, but I don't, I don't set out to. I mean, I don't have any grand scope of. I'm Brad Taylor, and here's what everybody in America needs to know. Mm-hmm. I just write a book that people. I hope they enjoy. I, I don't set out to tell anybody or explain anything to anybody and you know that comes through in the books Mm -hmm. just because i can't help it because i do know you know a lot of stuff but that's all based on the uh uh the plot line itself i just want the people to enjoy the book i don't i never set out to write a book saying you know what everybody needs to know about china i'm (laughs) gonna write a book about china that's just not uh, what happens to me is it's like wow china's a threat that's a good storyline and i write the book uh, you mentioned some, some of your different writings, and you've written a, a lot of a lot of novellas alongside your novels. And I I wonder, do you set out intentionally to write a shorter story, or do, are those books that started out as intended as novels that just didn't quite fill the same space? No, actually, it's it's been more. Um where I wanted to explore different characters uh, in the uh, Pike Logan universe, so to speak. Uh, mm-hmm. And I said to myself that, uh, you know, this I could do well, for instance, um, I created Amina in uh, Daughter of War yeah. and I, I was planning on killing her in chapter four and I didn't. And she ended up living throughout the book. Well, once you're done, like I say, you give hundred percent to each book. Now I've got this girl. What do I do mm-hmm. with her? I mean, the next book's going to get written. And so I wrote a short story just, trying to decide how is this relationship going to work? How are they, is this going to work with Pike and Jennifer? How's all this going to work? Cause I knew I had to include her in the next book. And then I got done. I had 30,000 words and contacted my publisher and said, I got a short story here if you guys <laughs> want it. So it's more of me exploring like uh, the recruits about decoy. I killed decoy. Well, there's a spoiler alert. I killed decoy and ring of fire. Got a lot of hate mail. And so I, uh, I wrote kind of a tribute short story, just like, okay, here's how decoy came in the unit. And mm-hmm. here's what happened. Pike and Jennifer aren't even in that book. Uh, Aaron and Shoshana, there was an origin story called the target. I wrote that just because I was trying to decide or trying to define how did these characters exist? Um, so they're not, uh, um, I, they just 
kind of, it depends on the short story. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of organic. I'm writing one right now about the honeymoon between Pike and Jennifer, because I wrote about that before in the book. And I was like, that kind of piques my interest. What, what happened on the honeymoon? So. For, um, I think from a, what well, seems to be one of the consistencies among folks that I, I, I've talked to on the show are that uh, a, lot of, a lot of folks seem to have mentors fairly early in their career. And then a lot of those mentors either shift into, you know, peers, uh, peer critics, colleagues, and they aren't necessarily fulfilling that same kind of mentor role. But I think it's also that all of us still lean on other people to help improve our writing. And I wonder who your mentors or critics or colleagues are that are helping Pike Logan be even better in 22. I have never had a mentor, a writer mentor. I started writing solely by myself. Just, I, it was a bucket list thing. I wanted to write a book. Um, if you're talking about crafting the characters, I always send it into uh, people who are active now, operators, and uh, they read it mainly because I don't want to put anything classified in the book. But routinely, what happens is they don't come back and say anything classified. They say, this is bullshit, fix this. <laughs> so that's, I don't, I don't have a writing group. I don't have any data readers, uh, except for my wife. I mean, she reads it um, and those operators will read it, but I don't have, I've never, it wasn't until probably my fifth book where I actually made a friend who was a writer. Wow. I, I don't have a lot of writing friends. Now, in writing about or writing from a place of personal experience, um, I really feel like I get to cheat the system in that regard, that I don't have to do as much research and I don't have to try to imagine what it was like to be in a particular circumstance because I've either been there or been in, in something really similar. And one of the unintended consequences that I didn't really anticipate was that at some point, you know, you start writing about things that kind of dredge up some of the, the, the bottom of the bucket. And I wonder for writers who are, you know, listening to this podcast, considering maybe starting to write a book from their own personal experiences, what advice you might give them about navigating that? I, I would say use, I mean, you, you can't help but use your personal experiences. Um, I mean, I say this all the time. Someone's, people ask me all the time, are you writing about real world events? I'm like, no, I'm not. These are all fictitious things that happen. Uh, but you can't help but use your own experiences. If you were going to write a book about, uh, or, you know, riding a bicycle in one scene, what would you think about? What's it like to ride a bike? That's what you think about. So when I write about an operation that's happening in, you know, Brazil, I think about operations I've done. I think about the weapons we use. I think about the clearing technique. I think, you know, you think of all that, you know, when you write about a gunfight and you've been in a gunfight, you can't help but think about what was the visceral fear you had in that gunfight. Um, so I'd say use it, but uh, I don't really have any advice for people who are, you know, wanting to excise demons. I, mm -hmm. I don't write that way. That's not why I write. I, other people do. I understand that and I applaud them. And I think it's a good thing, but I, I couldn't offer advice on how to do it. Now, I do like to end uh, shows on a hypothetical if you're willing to play along again. Now, I wonder, Brad, if you were to find yourself in a situation similar to that in which you've cast 
your team in, in end of days and some of your contacts from the Mossad or former Mossad agents, the Mossad cutouts, contact you about helping to investigate and identify who's responsible for a string of killings all over the globe that seems to target Israel and its citizens. And you have the chance to bring along four fictional characters as Task Force Taylor. And they're all characters you don't write. I oh. wonder who you would bring along uh, to, to see this thing through. You want, an all, you want four. You're really going <laughs> really to bury me here. I can change it to two if you'd like. I mean, I take Court Gentry from uh, Mark Greeny Books. Mm -hmm. uh, I take Don Bentley's guy. And I, I actually, believe it or not, I would take uh, Elvis Cole from Robert Crace and yeah. uh, Lucas Davenport from John Sanford. Those are all fantastic choices for, uh, especially on the investigative side. I, I think you're going to get to the bottom of that. Right, exactly. Uh, where can readers stay in touch with you? Uh, look at you know your works in progress, stay in touch with your blog, and, and follow all things Taylor. Uh, BradTaylorBooks.com. They can read an excerpt on the book, actually, uh, uh, excerpts of all my books, honestly, and my blogs that you were talking about earlier. Um, the uh, And I'm on... Uh, you know, Twitter, BradTaylorBooks.com or BradTaylorBooks, uh, Facebook, BradTaylorBooks, Instagram, BradTaylorBooks. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brad, I, I really appreciate your time and coming in and sharing your expertise and your craft with us, sir. It's always an honor. Uh, thank you for putting together End of Days. I'm so grateful you put this out for us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters, a copyrighted broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host. Gavin Reese, and this episode's guest has been acclaimed international bestseller, Brad Taylor. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Be safe out there.